Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> you know, this painter shows us that perspective is everything. Um, if you and I see something one way, we will not often see it any other way. And in this month, as we start this series called Perspectives on Sharing Hope, I want to hopefully flip your picture, so to speak, in your head, in your mind, in your heart, and help you see things from a different perspective. We are going to, in this new series called Perspectives on Sharing Hope, um, uh, really look at this whole biblical idea of sharing our hope in Christ. In a world with so many differing views, in a world where people mock anyone who says they have the truth, in a world where there is how... Bible teacher Stuart Briscoe puts it, intelligence without faith, moral sensitivity without truth, and spirituality without spiritual life. I want us to consider why and how we are called to share our hope in Christ as a church. You know, in this sort of world, we, the church, are called by the head of the church, Jesus Christ himself, who is our Lord and Savior. We are called as a church to lead people, to follow Jesus, love God, and love others. That is our mission. That means we are called to share our hope. And it is my focus during this time of teaching this month that we who are in Christ will get this picture in our hearts and minds where we grasp the responsibility and the privilege of sharing Christ. Now, if, it, if you're at a point in your journey where you're still just trying to figure out who Jesus is, I encourage you to listen as I talk to the followers of Jesus. And consider why we, the church, want to share this hope with you and with others in this world of need. Now, I want to say hello to the Brentwood campus, and hopefully you enjoyed that uh, clip as well of that speed painter doing a rendition of Anderson Cooper. Maybe some of you were saying, oh, I, I already knew who it was. I, I got it completely. I just thought it looked like a poached egg or something. I mean, it really, honestly, like I can honestly tell you, I've seen that clip like about six times, and I still can't see it when... Uh, when it's flipped over the other way, it just it gets me every time. Well, as we begin this uh, uh, whole series on sharing hope, I want to start tonight by talking about shine. And let's just begin by hearing the words of Jesus in uh, Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. And this is taken from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus, it says, went up on a mountainside and he, his followers, his disciples, gathered around and he began to teach them. And uh, so we're just going to take just a small portion of his sermon. The entire sermon, if you want to read it, is found in chapters 5 to 7. Now, again, if you have a, your smart device, uh, feel free to go on to the live event at the U version, and uh, the entire outline is there for you to follow along, along with the scriptures as well. So here we are. Uh, verses, this is what Jesus says, and starting in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, now, now Jesus is saying here in this passage, um, let your light shine. In fact, he says something even more dramatically, you are the light of the world. Um, so here's the question. What are the consequences 
of this call of Christ upon those of us who say we're followers of Jesus, what are the consequences for us? Well, I want to just walk you through this, this big idea of what Jesus is telling us here. And the thing that he's first of all saying when he says you are the light of the world, it's simply this. It means that you and I are shining. Or if you want to just personalize it, I am shining. Now, now this is really important. Um, it's part and parcel of what it means to follow Jesus. It is now our nature to shine. It is not optional. It's now who we are. If you say you're a Christian, you now can say, I am shining. Um, a woman once asked her co-worker, what is it like to be a Christian? The co-worker replied, it's like being a pumpkin. Yes, a pumpkin. God picks you from the patch, brings you in, washes all the dirt off of you, then he cuts off the top, scoops out all the yucky stuff, he removes the seeds of doubt, hate, and greed, and then he carves um, you a new smiling face and puts his light inside of you to shine for all the world to see. So you're a pumpkin. You know, you know I, I think about this. I mean, think about a lamp. Think about a flashlight. Think about the flashlight that's on your iPhone app. By its very nature, it shines. That's what it does. It just shines. A Christ follower, by their new nature, shines. Now, now, why is this so? Why is it that we are shining? Well, let's just make some connections. And if you're following along the outline, um, um, here's the first one. Christ gives us an inner light where we are called to shine. Now, now I know some of you are saying, well, you know, this is kind of wild when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, because we know that Jesus in John 8, 12 said, I am the light of the world. Um, and in fact, he went on to say, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. So, so we know that Jesus is the light of the world. But here's the connection. Um, the light which his people emit, those who know him and love him and have experienced him, it's really derived from him, right? And in fact, um, the Bible makes this really clear. In Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 8, this is what Paul writes. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. There it is. So where do you get your light? Why is it that you're shining? Why is it that Jesus can say, you know, let your light shine? It's because when you know Jesus, you're now in the light. You have the light emitting from you, just as the worship team sang, from the inside out. Well, you should be shining. That's, that's where the light's coming from. So, as Paul says, live as people of the light. You know, every time you read in the scriptures about light, you also find a corresponding statement about darkness. The light and the darkness are always set in an obvious contrast to each other. The Bible teaches us that as human beings, we were intended, God created us to live in obedience and dependence upon God. Instead, as we read at the very beginning of Genesis, humans chose independence and disobedience. And they were told that the day they disobeyed would be the day they would die. They traded life for, for deadness. But also, not only does independence and disobedience from God mean spiritual deadness, it also means we live now in darkness. But that's where the good news of Jesus is all about. We, again, every time we think about the gospel, the gospel helps us understand what life's really all about. And the gospel, or the good news, is about the light of Christ. 
I mean, go, go back to John chapter 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was God, and the Word, uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. Now catch this next part, John 1, verse 4, and His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. What do we have in Jesus when he's the light? Well, because of Jesus, his light helps us to see truth. His light helps us to see hope. His light helps us to see who we really are, to see who God really is, to see what really matters, to see that we're no longer in darkness because by faith, when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, we now can find our way that leads to light and to life everlasting. So I would say, come to the light of Christ and, do, and, and let Christ point you to show you his way to life. So that's the first thing is that knowing that, that when we're in Christ, we are called to be, to be the light of the world, it's because Christ's light shines within us and gives us that inner light. But here's the next thing we have to understand, though, as Jesus talks to us about this passage um, or in this sermon. He says, this light has to have an outward impact. This light is not meant simply for our own personal enjoyment. Um, Jesus is declaring quite emphatically to his followers that our presence is of great importance in this world. Think about it. He is saying here, catch this again, you are the light of the world. I mean, we, you're going, well, who am I? Well, I can tell you this, in Christ, you are the light of the world. That if people are going to see, have any sense of hope, find any sense of meaning, have any understanding of God, that they are going to have to look at your life to be able to see that. That if their lives are going to be changed for eternity, it's going to be because they're going to see it in you. That's what Jesus is saying. You are the light of the world. It means that those who are followers of Jesus are the means of which the world, the mass of humankind, may see the things of religion, may see the truth about God and his service. You know, to have this outward impact is our duty. We can call it a duty of love, but it is our duty. It is not simply something optional for us. We must hear Jesus' words ring deep within us. David, you are the light of the world. Phil, you're the light of the world. Jonathan, you're the light of the world. Dave, you're the light of the world. Evelyn, you're the light of the world. I mean, just keep, let it ring deep in your heart. I mean, as, as one commentator has declared, when we hear these words of Jesus, you are the light of the world, it should lead the Christian reader at once to tremble at his responsibility and to rejoice at his privilege. How much harm do we do by our inconsistencies? How much good we may do, the least influential among us, by simply being what we profess to be? Okay, so I hope you're getting this sense of shining. But here's another thing. If I'm shining, it also means our light expresses itself in good deeds. This is really what it means. Um, shining the light of Christ means we do good deeds. I mean, I, look at what Jesus says here. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. 
So he's making this real clear connection that the light of Christ that is within you shows itself in good deeds, both in what you say and what you do. Um, you know, we are called to live a holy life, a life of purity, a life of piety, a life of living out the gospel. Now, good deeds are done because they're rooted in a love for God and a love for others. Good deeds are seen in action and in restraint. Good deeds are often both what we do and what we don't do. Good deeds can be seen in the following ways. The kind of work we do. Does it help others or exploit others? It can be seen in faithfulness in our marriage covenant. It can be seen in our generosity with our money, our patience with difficult people, our gentle truth-telling to one another, our acceptance of others, our forgiveness when one has been wrong, of our purity in our relationship with others, and in serving rather than being served. You know, as we look at this, the last way we're going to shine, uh, we get our head around this about what it means to shine, is that the goal is that people see me, I mean, see God, not me. See, look at that. There's that default. You know, I, the goal, I, I want people to look at me. But that's not the point. The goal is that people see God, not me. I mean, it's noteworthy as we consider this idea about shining with the good deeds that Jesus tells us the whole point is that God is glorified, that his reputation is enhanced. You know, God is glorified when people who are living in darkness of their sin see an example of Christ's love in someone else's life, and that becomes a leverage moment on their soul when they say to themselves, why does that person act that way? Why does that person make those choices? Why does that person live and talk in such a way? And they want to know, and they're now being drawn out of the darkness into the light. Now, here's the reality, too, though, that that Jesus reminds us in this portion of Scripture. In verse 15 there, he says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. But unfortunately, it seems like a lot of people like to do that. It seems like that we still have this ability to block the light. You know, if you're following along the outline, we, we got thinking about how we could talk about how we can still block the light that's within us. And you know how when, you, when it's summertime and it's really hot, you put on sunblock, and you look for a high SPF factor. What's it called? Sun protection factor? Is that what it stands for? Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we came up with saying, well, you know what happens to us sometimes still, even in our Christian walk, we have this light of Christ in us, but we end up putting on shine blockers with, with a high SPF, SPF standing for sin-producing factors. Okay? You see, you get this? Sin? Okay. Well, well what are some of those sin-producing factors that we can put on that, that blocks the light that's within us? Well, let's just look at four of them really quick. First one is pride. I think pride blocks our light in Christ. Where, where we still, you know what, where pride gets us? Where we still make even following Jesus and loving God all about us. You know, that's the first danger that can block the light of Christ. It's a danger we must navigate. Um, it's, about, it's about shining, remember, about letting the light of Christ shine through me. It's not about, hey, look at me, I'm all shiny now. 
Um, you know, Jesus warns us about this, actually, because if you go from chapter 5 and just at the beginning of chapter 6, he actually warns about this type of shiny me attitude because he says, watch out. Don't do your deeds, good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. So you've got to kind of hold that intention, don't you? That, that, that you can say, well, on one hand, Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, um, let your good deeds shine out before everyone so people will give glory to God. But then he's saying, you know, don't do your deeds before people to get praise from them. But I would just say it's the difference between making it all about me versus making it all about God. That's, it really just comes down to an issue of motivation. And of course, God knows our heart. Um, you know, if we are really going to love God and others, we're going to stop loving ourselves as though we are the center of the universe. Here's the other thing that is an SPF factor, sin-producing factor that becomes a shine block on us. It's fear. It, it, it's fear. Knowing that if we're going to shine for Christ, it may mean that we are called to serve, which could lead to suffering. Let, let me give you an ancient example. In 427 AD, the Aryan Vandals advanced into North Africa, where Bishop Augustine lived and ministered. Uh, Genseric, the Vandal king, specifically sought out Christian churches. Refugees poured into Hippo, the city where Augustine was serving. And it wasn't long before Genseric uh, uh, had laid siege to Augustine's city. The refugees not only brought heightened responsibilities for Bishop Augustine, they also brought disease. In the 5th century, so many people packed into so tight a space, it inevitably created a sick environment. At this point, Augustine had three choices. He could flee. He had the means. He could stay, hold up at his palace and ignore the needs of his people, but perhaps preserve his own health. Or he could get his hands dirty and risk becoming ill himself. Augustine didn't know how to be a bishop from afar, so he kept up his active schedule, being present with the people, and paid dearly for the service. Because during the third month of the siege, in, in 430, Augustine developed a high fever from which he never recovered. This powerful man of God, whose books Christians still read today, gave his last hours ministering to the basic needs of a frightened flock. So, so there's part of what it means to shine for Jesus. Here's another sunblock, a shine blocker, apathy. You simply don't care. You're just too wrapped up in your own cares. Oh, I don't want to watch anything from any of those humanitarian things that makes me stressed out. Oh, I don't want to hear about anything about bad news. I want to keep my happy little world around me. Oh, I don't care about anyone else, really. I just care about me. That's, a, that's called a shine blocker. Here's another one, judgment. You know, when you see whatever needs there are in the world, you say, well, that's what people deserve. They got themselves in that trouble. In fact, I remember hearing a story about Pat Robertson. He's an American televangelist broadcaster. And when that terrible earthquake happened in Haiti, he said, well, he said, they asked for it. When they wanted liberation from the French a couple hundred years ago, they made a pact with the devil, and now they're just simply incurring the consequences of it. Needless to say that he got a fair amount of negative reaction to that from both the Christian community and the world around him. 
But again, that's what happens. We can sometimes look at people that don't have our values, that are living far from God, and we can say they deserve what they get. Instead of shining the love of Christ out towards them, we end up only, they only end up seeing judgment from us. You know, as we think about um, all of those dynamics, we just have to ask ourselves, you know, what's causing us to put our light under the basket that Jesus warned us against? You know, this comes down to, though, this final thing about living as letting your light shine. Because I'm talking in this series about sharing our hope in Christ. And what Jesus is reminding us is that the reason we need to let our light shine is because people are living in darkness. And if they're going to see the light of Christ, we have to let our light shine. And when we shine, two important things will happen. When I shine, I will lead others to follow Jesus, love God, and, and love others. I will lead others. Because, you see, the light in my life will help others find the path that leads to Christ and leads to God and leads to living a life that has meaning and hope for now and eternity. That, that's what will happen. See, whatever else we do as a church, and sometimes I know as leadership we talk about what's the next new thing we need to do as a church? What, what type of technology do we need to have? What kind of worship style do we need to have? What, what are the issues that we need to wrestle through? And those are all important. But listen, all of that pales in comparison when you and you and you and all of you are watching this through the, the, the video, when all of us let our light shine in front of our family, in front of our neighbors, in front of our city, in front of our country, and in front of the world. I cannot help but think that, that, that this place would just start to fill more and more and more because people would be coming. And I want to tell you, over and over again, all the people who I've seen come to faith in Christ, every one of them said, this person and this person and this person impacted me. This person helped me take that next step. And that's why I'm here today. Um, W.H. Griffin Thomas, in a sermon, Knowing and Showing, said this, There are people in the world around us who never open, who never read the Bible, but they are reading us. Are they able to see God in our lives? Are they able to say of us to others, that man or that woman reminds me of Christ? Do we let our light so shine that people may see us, not us, but our Father in heaven? That's the test. So that's the first thing that's going to happen. When I shine, I will lead people. Here's the second thing. When I shine, the mission of the church is being accomplished. One thing you're going to hear throughout this series is the mission of the church. And the way we've articulated the mission, we've come up with a, a logo, a phrase, but the mission of the church is simply this, leading people to follow Jesus, love God, love others. That is our mission. And when you shine in this world, the mission of the church, the body of Christ, is accomplished. You know, our lives shining beautifies the gospel message. It makes it real. It makes it connected for so many people. Listen, just as a city cannot, you know, be seen, you know, like Jesus says here, a city 
um, on a hilltop cannot be hidden. We who are in Christ cannot escape observation. People are watching. And they have every right to say, is that how Christians should act? They want to see the light of Christ shining brightly out of your lives and mine. And we must be willing to make a confrontation of light with the darkness of this world. And here's the beauty, right? You can have, be, have this whole room completely dark and it only takes one little match to overcome the darkness. So how do we shine with the love of God? There are so many ways. And maybe God's speaking to you right now where you need to shine. But I want to give you one example in closing. that It's a, it's a video clip of what I believe is a wonderful example of someone who's connecting their faith in Christ and what it means to shine. Let's watch. I don't count it a burden, whatever, to have to care for her. I, I need to do everything. From the moment she gets up to the moment she goes to bed, I do absolutely everything. Um, clean her teeth, uh, shower, dress, everything. And, um, but it's, it's a privilege. I count it a great privilege to, to care for this one that I've loved all of these years and continue to love. This is the year when we'll celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Our stories have been a, a lovely story. I first saw her when she was eight years old and her brother became my best friend. And we grew up together and as we grew up, yeah, she was there. And I knew that she used to stare at me when I was playing footy with, my, with her brother and uh, another friend and when we used to ride bikes and she kept staring at me, but I wasn't interested. I was 17, she was 16. I saw her dolled up, dressed up, and she had an A-line dress on and boom, it was gone. I was, uh, she was the one for me then, absolutely. <laughs> when we first started uh, dating, I used to ride my bike from where I lived to where she was and that was about five kilometers on a Saturday afternoon because it was the only chance we had to get together. And uh, it was hair wash day for her and she used a special cream in her hair for a shampoo. And I can still smell it, because that smell was so particular, so nice. It was just absolutely special. We had a bike. I used to ride everywhere on my bike, and then Glad had a bike as well. And we put a, a baby chair on the front of her bike, and so we carried our babies around on the bike with her as well. So, yeah, bike's been part of our lives, and I guess that has something to do with us now. Around about 2004 5, I began to notice um, that there were things going wrong. She was finally diagnosed with uh, the horrible disease of Alzheimer's. Having lived overseas, I knew that with a bike you can do lots of things. So I had a bike made, a bike chair made. We take it to the beach and ride along beside the beach. And as we do that, we see lots of people. A lot of people come talk to us because it's a unique thing. Nobody else has got a bike chair quite like that one. I am determined to care for her every need, every need. You see, God has loved us so unconditionally. 
and I understand that God has put his love in my heart and because I realize how much God has loved me, that's how I too can love my lovely wife. She has done so much for me over all of these years. Now she can't, but I can, and I can return her love. Uh, and it's a love that, uh, well, to me, means I can do everything for her. She's my princess, I'm her William, and I wouldn't <laughs> have it any other way. Would you have it any other way? No, oh, no. no not at all. We love each other. So do you think he's shining? And do you see how he made the connection that he said, God loved me so unconditionally? You see how the love of Christ flows out in real time in everyday life? So where does it need to flow for you? And where does it need to flow for me? Let your light shine. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Carolyn of the Brentwood campus at this time for her to bring the service to the close. Well, let's, let's, um, let's bring the service to a close. One thing, uh, Carolyn, just one thing I want you to mention to your congregation as well is um, that clip that you saw, if you have a smart device, I have a video link. It's, it's, a, it's actually a website called yeshees.com. Uh, that you can go on, and they have all these wonderful uh, little short tube cli uh, uh, video clips that not just show a nice clip, but as you notice, give a Christian witness as well. And this is a new digital witnessing tool that has been produced by this website called Yes He Is, and I would just encourage you to make use of it, and you can post it on your Facebook, and if you have 100 friends, then the 100 friends will see it. And guess what they'll do in turn? They'll share it with their 100 friends, and so on and so on. In fact, if you go on this website, they're talking about how many people have made a profession of faith in Christ just through this. Listen, we are going to share our hope, and I'm going to flip your painting on how how we do it, and this is one way we do it, okay? So let's now close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, let's hear the words of your son Jesus, where he says, you are the light of the world. Oh, Lord, help us, Lord, to shine brightly in this world of darkness. Help us to let the light of Christ just fill us deeply, right from the inside out. And Lord, forgive us when we allow um, apathy or um, fear or pride or Lord, just any sort of sin um, to block the light of Christ in our lives. Lord, so many people need to see the light in our lives so they may have the hope of Christ and their lives will be changed forever. Now, Lord, um, again, we just pray all this in our strong Savior's name, Jesus. Amen.